On today's show, we're talking about one of my favorite things, podcasts. Recently, I've talked to a few Swarfcast listeners out there who are considering starting their own podcast shows. So I thought it made sense to make an episode discussing the merits of hosting a podcast, as well as some advice if you want to build one successfully. I'm really excited about my guest today because he is one of the most knowledgeable people I know about how to grow and monetize a podcast. My podcast coach, Kevin Schmidlin, host of the podcast, Grow the Show. Even if you don't want to start a podcast, I think a lot of listeners are going to enjoy this episode. We talk about entrepreneurship, marketing, and creating a business that's in a category of one. This is Swarfcast, the podcast for professionals in precision machining. I'm your host, Noah Graff. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graff. P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. I am very honored to be with Kevin Schmidlin, founder and host of Grow the Show. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Oh, no, pleasure is all mine to be here. I'm honored. This is so cool because um, I've talked a bit about it in the podcast and the blog, but uh, Kevin is the founder of the podcast coaching program that I've done uh, in the last year. And today we're going to be talking about podcasts. So he's the one to have on the show. <laughs> Let's just elaborate on that. A lot of people listening to this, you know, they're probably into podcasts and they are sometimes wondering maybe they should have a podcast. And Today, we're going to talk about if a podcast can really help their business and why they would want to have a podcast. So just before we go any further, Kevin, I want to give a little bit of context, give a brief overview of what Grow the Show is and the Accelerator, and then give me your like two-minute bio. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start with the bio piece. Uh, basically, roughly five years ago... I launched my first podcast. Now, back then I was a software developer at a big health insurance company. So I was, you know, just, I wasn't super passionate about software engineering or healthcare, but I am passionate about my home city of Philadelphia. So I launched a podcast about Philly um, just a couple months after launching it. I left the full-time job to do that full-time. 
I don't recommend that. It was totally premature <laughs> in retrospect. It was not a good call um, because what wound up happening was really quickly after I had left the job, I discovered that I was in way over my head. I didn't understand the first thing about how to actually grow an audience or how to actually monetize a podcast. Yeah, but you um, had the ultimate balls and chutzpah to do it, which is a <laughs> yeah. demonstration of who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. It, it's true. And and like, I'm like, man, if I knew today, what I'm so glad I didn't know then what I know now, because I probably would have been too scared to do it if I actually knew. So I don't know if it was that or if it was just naivety, but either way, we made it. Um, and so the first year was pretty, it was really rough because I was living off of savings and like I wasn't making any progress. Downloads weren't going up. It wasn't making any money. Kind of had a come to Jesus moment about a year in where I was this close to calling up my old boss who had told me when I left the you know six figure engineering job to be a podcaster. He was like, you always have a home here. So just let me know <laughs> when and you want to come And this was a back. podcast about your hometown of Philadelphia. So we're talking sort of like a This American Life type thing about Philadelphia. Yeah. It pretty much. Yeah. So it was like, it was exactly like that. I produced it very NPR style. It was very narrative. Um, and it, it told the, it was like an oral history of, you know, Philadelphians, Philadelphia's successful and famous people. So it was cool. People, people really liked it. Um, but like I said, like I didn't understand the business behind it for a long time, about a year in, I kind of had a decision point where I was like, okay, like I need to either figure this out or go back to work. And what I elected to do was to give myself just another month. I was like, I'm going to just actually pause production of the show because I had been super consistent. I had published every single week because everybody says, just be consistent, be consistent. Well, your show will grow. Right. And I, w I was consistent, but nothing happened. And I, it sounds like you've had, you've gotten the same advice. Uh, five years. So, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to just like dive into learning as much as I can. I took a couple online courses and just like picked up a bunch of books and went full time for a whole month into just deep dive learning mode. I listened to, I spent a weekend, walked around the city of Philadelphia. I think it was like 60,000 steps or something insane. And I had, I sampled every single podcast in the top 100 charts to listen what they sounded like, what their sponsors were, what they were doing. And in that time, noticed a bunch of patterns. And I was like, this is all very different than what I was doing. And what like, if you Google how to podcast, how to launch, how to grow, like it's different than what shows up. Um, and so what I learned was that like a lot of the advice that's online about podcasting is given by people who haven't actually grown or monetized their show. Like yeah. they are podcasters, so they can speak about what they're doing. And so everyone is just monkey see monkey doing things that don't really work. But as a you as the podcaster are confused because you're like, everybody else is saying that this is what you're supposed to do and it's not working for me. So what's like, am I the problem? But no, it's that strategy. It's everybody's using the wrong strategy. So once I figured that out, I was able to implement, you know, what I noticed actually worked. And then fast forward, this totally yada yada is over the best part, but fast forward, uh, about a year I had monetized that show, uh, about six figures. So we did about 120 K in 2019. And um, the show had gotten over 100,000 downloads in that year. And then after COVID hit, I launched an online accelerator program to help other podcasters because, you know, after I had been doing that, I heard from, I started to get to know and hear from other podcasters who were like, how did you do this? Can you explain this? And after a few weeks of just like spending tons and tons of time on Zoom, teaching other people how to do it, I was like, you know, I think there's, there might be something here that I could make that could reach, you know, more people without me just like spending all my one-on-one -on -one time helping people. So I launched the uh, the coaching program. 
at the same time launched a the podcast, Super Meta, Grow the Show podcast to help you grow your podcast. And I've been doing that and virtually nothing else for the last three years. <laughs> uh, and that's how we got to today. Awesome. Okay. So now you've had the accelerator for several years. You've had the show for several years. And a lot of the people that you're helping, I'd say the majority of them are people that have some sort of business or niche thing that they want to promote about themselves. We're not necessarily talking about, you know, people with comedy shows, although there are some, I guess, and, and those people are promoting themselves as well. Our audience are people that have manufacturing companies, specifically people who make um, stuff with metalworking. You know, they make screws that go into everything from a car to a pencil sharpener to a plane. There are some people that have products, um, you know, maybe they make watches or maybe they have, um, you know, a certain kind of uh, firearms they make. So I want to know, first of all, what podcasting could do for these people if it makes sense for these people. And then after that, I want to go into, you know, how to make that happen. Sure. Okay. So the question is, would podcasting help these folks? Yeah. Right. And these are, so, these. some of them are small companies, some are medium companies, you know, maybe some might have three people, some might have 500 people. Yeah. So it can absolutely help all of them. Um, I'm not going to say that they all should, because I don't believe in absolutes like that. <laughs> like there are definitely people listening who probably shouldn't. But what I can say is that, you know, number one, the, the, the biggest uh, benefit that a business owner gets from a podcast is using it as a lead nurturing mechanism. And it's it like when you launch a podcast and many times for the first few years, it serves as that it serves to deepen your relationship with your customers and your prospects. It doesn't really become a lead generation mechanism until a little bit further down the line mm. when you have a larger audience, uh, because, and, and that, that, like, that's the first kind of misconception that a lot of business owners have. They think that their podcast is out of the gate. I'm going to launch a podcast to get leads, but it's going to take a long time until the show actually generates leads for you. Is it's that a law? I mean, could it could it start quickly or Absolutely not a law, but I would put my money on it taking a while. Like I would be I would be prepared for it to take a while because a podcast is not inherently a medium that goes viral. Now, you could launch a TikTok account and mm. potentially get leads right away. It, you could do it with YouTube, you could do it with some of the social media platforms that should have viral reach. But podcasts do not go viral for the most part. Again, nothing is a law, and I don't believe in absolutes. But for the most part, like podcasts do not go viral. They're a, they're a longer game. It's it's more of a depth play, right? Uh, listeners are much harder fought, but they are a hundred times more valuable than a TikTok follower because. Sure someone who listens to your show, number one, they're, they consume one episode. If your episode's 45 minutes, that's the equivalent to 45 TikToks, right? Uh, and that's just if they listen to one episode. So yeah. that's why for business owners, it can serve as a fantastic differentiator and it, it can serves, it, it serves as a relationship deepener at first, 
for your clients and your prospects? Yeah, I see the relationship part because versus some of the other things in that, and I've heard other podcasters tell you talk about this. There's an intimacy when you hear when you're a fly on the wall, um, and you're hearing people talk. You almost feel like you're in the room. You almost feel like I mean, I hate to say this, but maybe me. A lot of people, I think, they feel like they're almost friends with the host. Percent. Um, what I always say is like you know when you have a podcast listener who listens every single week there's a good chance that they hear your voice at this point in their life right now more than, you know, their parents or sometimes like, isn't that crazy? It's super, super crazy, but it's true. If you think about it, they, they, they have devices in their ears that pump your voice into their brains (laughs) for an hour a week. And so you get a really, really deep relationship. Right. I mean, it could be like that with YouTube or something, but I don't know. I just find with podcasts, you can go anywhere. You're listening to it. You can listen to it in the car. You can consume it a lot. It's oh, pretty and, and, It's pretty incredible. And that's why it gives you such depth. Like if you're looking for just pure traffic, again, pure lead generation, I just want as many eyeballs as, as quickly as possible. And I don't need to keep those people's attention for a long time. Then podcasting probably isn't what to do right now because it's going to be a slower build. And it is more of a longer uh, return on investment and a, a more of a longer term play. But in that world, I mean, it's it's hard to uh, like it's hard to combat the level of depth. And so, yeah. again, for a business owner, like if you're looking to differentiate yourself from your competitors or you're looking to really, really have your brand and your values, uh, you know, out there for someone to consume and buy into and fall in love with, then podca- podcasting is a great way to do that. Yeah. And in the accelerator and on your show, you talk about how it needs to integrate with social media, with emails, with blogs, perhaps. And so then you do get influence from that as well. So some of those other things you're talking about. You do get influence from the other pieces. You're saying it all comes together, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's why like, I do recommend that if you are going to get into podcasting, you are going to get into content, you do want to think about it as a content ecosystem because, you know, the podcast alone has a hard, it's going to have a tough time. Like you were going to want to I really rebelled against the social media. I had a blog (laughs) and an email list and I was like, that's enough. And the social, not until I did the accelerator, did I finally say, all right, I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's you know, you don't, you don't have to use it as much. Like a lot of people think that you have to use as a podcaster, you have to use social media more than you actually do. And again, you don't have technically have to, but I do recommend at least showing up and you know, it's at the very, very, very least, it serves as an incredible networking tool to get you connected with guests and to get you, you know, connected with listeners and stuff like that. So it is, it is good practice to be on social media. Explain the listener funnel. I mean, it's kind of what we're talking about to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, when I talk about the listener funnel, what I intend to do is to have podcasters with intention design the journey that a that someone will go through when they go from being a stranger to a listener to a customer. Right. This and is exactly because my next question was, where do you start if you want to have a podcast? So, I mean, this, right. is, this is what we're talking about now. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it, it's 
what you want to avoid is the type of thing you want to avoid what I did in 2018 when I like said, you know, take this job and shove it. <laughs> like I'm going to go be a podcaster, which is to just record a podcast, hit record, have a conversation and just put it on the internet and fingers crossed. Let's where's the listeners, right? <laughs> where are my customers? You want to actually answer the question. Okay. How are people going to find out about this show? Like, what am I going to do to make it so that people who currently don't know that this show exists, discover that it does. And in a way that makes it highly likely for them to actually press play and listen to one episode. Then after that, rather than doing what a lot of podcasters do and just put episodes out there and fingers crossed, hope these people click on my website and buy my thing, you actually intentionally design. Okay, like at what point, am, what am I going to tell them to do? What is the next thing that they click on? After that, what page do they go to? How do they actually set up a call with me or go to the buying page or you know whatever your sales process is? Um, and through that, you basically design a funnel that people will go through because, and it looks like a funnel because you're going to have more people who have never heard of you, of course, and then a slightly less people who have heard of you, but have listened to one episode. And as you go closer and closer to customer, you're going to have fewer and fewer people. So, you know, it kind of looks like a upside down triangle, which looks like a funnel. But again, the point of it all is to just with intention, design that journey so that if it's not working, you know where to look. Like if you're not getting podcast downloads, that simply means that you are not making strangers who might be interested in your show discover that it exists. You, what yeah. Either you're not doing anything or your strategy to make that happen is not currently working. So that's where to look. If you're not, if you do have listeners and you're not getting any customers, then we need to look at that step in the funnel and say, okay, am I talking about my business? Am I telling people to click on the link? Are they clicking on the link? Are they hitting the buy button? And it just allows you to more scientifically diagnose why, you know, if you're a podcaster and you're not satisfied with your audience or your revenue, what's wrong and what you can fix it again, rather than just like throwing an episode out there, fingers crossed, and then, you know, blaming the algorithm when we don't have, you know, we're not super famous, tons of money. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and that, that formula seems to really lend itself to someone like you with a podcast coaching program. So number one, it's a coaching program and it's related exactly to your content. And this is something that, I don't know, it seems more quantifiable than somebody who's making thousands, hundreds of thousands of parts for, you know, a whole bunch of different sectors, a whole bunch of different customers. It's not exactly the kind of thing where you can go uh, look at all these people that the podcast brought. It's It's got to be a little bit more of a still like a holistic, like they're getting to know me, they're getting to know my company. And that's the reason. Would you say it's just less quantifiable in a way? So, yeah, like my example is a little bit more obvious where like, you know, my podcast is very much a free sample of the co coaching and consulting services that I can provide. But for other, you know, there's a one of my favorite examples. There's tons of branded podcasts that aren't like about the thing that the company sells, but it's still a great show and still serves to sell more of the thing. An example that comes up is there's a coffee company called Death Wish Coffee. And their whole thing is uh, that they have like the strongest coffee in the world. And I've tried it once. It's extremely strong. They've got like, you know, really strong branding on the packaging or whatever. But they have a podcast. And now are they talking about coffee on their podcast? Like, no, they're not talking about how to roast coffee or what the beans are or like interviewing other coffee roasters. The, the podcast is called Fueled by Death. And it interviews people who have had near death experiences and talks about just like what they learned. 
So while this show is being funded and put on by a coffee company for as a part of their marketing budget, it's not talking about coffee and they're not like they're not like you should buy this year's roasts on the feed. It's a show that people consume. And by the way, yes, like they they actually do get coffee sales because people who listen, there's a good chance that they drink coffee. And so they, they fall in love with the show. And so they go, you know, drink the coffee and buy the coffee or at least try it. So that's like the kind of example, you know, when if your business services are not, you know, it's not a one to one thing where a podcast listener just like basically upgrades to your paid thing. You know, then I would say to any business owner that's listening, what kind of like if you think about your customer base as a whole, like, again, if you are considering launching a podcast, think about your customer base as a whole. And then from there, think about, OK, what type of podcast do those people want to listen to? Is there a podcast that they would love that doesn't exist yet or that exists that you could do better? It does. You don't have to like make a podcast about screws. You could tell, you know, maybe menu stories in manufacturing history or something for totally, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> something like that. And those, you know, it's like I said, it's a longer term play. So it's not a direct response. Like here's an ad. Somebody buys the thing play. It's more, it's a branding play. Right. And it's a differentiation play. Do you feel like um, one of one of my favorite podcasts you did on uh, Grow the Show was talking about being a category of one? Yep. You want your podcast to be a category of one. And really, you want your business to be a category of one. You don't want to be trying to just be better than the next person. You want to be better in your own category. So do you think that a podcast... To me, it seems like that could be one thing a podcast might help do. It, it could put somebody who does something, you know, they make something that's a commodity, but it could point to them being a category of one because yeah. they're not, you know, yes, th these two people make screws and it's really hard to tell the difference between them. But this one, we know the people and the people are super smart and super plugged in. Um, that seems like something that would make sense, correct? That's exactly the play. Exactly. You know, it's, it's this type of branding is what can set a sp anybody who's making something that is a commodity apart when like, if you, you know, because in that case, you either have to compete on quality and, and sell like, this is why this is the best screw, or you have to compete on price, which is not fun. It's, it's terrible. So it's the worst. It's a death trap, right? So if, if instead you have something like this, where, you know, your customers are again, listening to, you're putting on the show, customers are listening to it. They're enjoying it. The show doesn't have to do with screws, but you know, when, when the time comes, they are going, like you are going to have a massive advantage. They're going to pick your screws. Thank you to everybody listening to this. It gives me a real sense of purpose knowing that people feel they get a lot of value out of the show, enough value at least to take the time to listen. Likely some serendipitous occurrence caused you to discover Swarfcast. And I know it might get tiring with me constantly talking about serendipity, but it's just on my mind a lot lately. You might have saw a promo for the show on social media or a coworker told you about it. In any case, if you know of somebody out there who would get some value out of the show, I'd like you to return the favor that you received once upon a time and spread the word. That's the only way others are going to find out about it. Back to the episode. Kind of in the reverse order, 
there's uh, I, the example that I love to point to is there's an online creator. Uh, if you haven't heard of him, your kids have. His name is Mr. Beast. He is a YouTuber. The kids love him. He is like massively famous. He's got h- literally hundreds of millions of global uh, followers on YouTube. And he's released, he's like created these companies, these like several brands of things that are largely commodities. And one of the examples is he has like a chocolate bar that's like Mr. Beast chocolate bar. And like overnight, that thing was carried in Walmart and all these stores because they know like the kids watch Mr. Beast. So when the time comes for them to buy a chocolate bar, they're going to buy Mr. Beast over Hershey's, right? Because they have that connection to his brand. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a, childish example but you know the the question for the listener would be uh you know just again what is the type of show that you can put on for your client base that will that they'll enjoy that is ideally unique it is a category of one so try to avoid you know yet another podcast interviewing people about success or or motivation or something like that (laughs) and say like hey this is truly the only podcast that blank uh and then from there you know we are truly the only business that is blink even though we're making the same stuff as you were yeah exactly and you can say like we're the only company that makes this thing but also has this show that like entertains you right (laughs) so like whose suppliers entertains them nobody so right out of the gate that's a huge differentiator all right this question it's it's related to this topic and it's also something personal for you in my eyes you're a very impressive entrepreneur um you know you've you've built this thing pretty big in the last how how what is your revenue from what it start with and what what is it now if you don't so mind last me, you don't have to say if you don't know i'm to. happy to share last year top top line we did 1.5 million um and it launched in 2020 so uh it's about between three to five x each year so far it's not gonna three to five x in 2023 because i kind of had actually int- intentionally slowed down a little bit because it's growing a little yeah. too fast um but yeah that's that's where we're at Okay, so say somebody is a podcaster with a business, et cetera. I want to point this to you. How much does entrepreneurship deflect yourself from the podcast? How much has podcasting deflected yourself from entrepreneurship? What strategies do you have for this? This sounds like this is this is something an inner battle that you're you're constantly dealing with. <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. I feel the same, you know. It's so funny because, you know, I, I, I left the corporate job to be able to do the podcast full time. And then I created another job that actually made it harder to podcast than the than it was with the corporate job. Because with Grow the Show, by 2022, I had 10 employees full time. And at that point, I was a full time manager. Like I was managing 10 people and I was not big enough to have like department heads where I could manage people who manage people. I was one by one managing all these folks. So like... If you look at my podcast feed in 2022, like for Grow the Show, compared to 2021 and 2020, you'll notice that the shows are much less heavily produced. There's a lot more solo episodes. Um, There's a lot more replays of stuff. And that's because like, yeah, I 100% had more than my hands full. And as I just said before, like I've actually dialed back a little bit. I've shrunk the company just so that I can have more time to, you know, very much. I I woke up one day and the cobbler son had no shoes. I was like, I... I, I had been consistent with my show, but I really hadn't put as much energy into it, which is ironic because that's what I teach other people how to do. So it's definitely difficult. And the way that I handle it and, and what I recommend podcasters do is, you know, it, it's 
it sounds cliche, but it's, it's all in just like the way that you sort of manage the time and, and become efficient with it. So like, you know, I have uh, four podcast interviews today. So today I'm batching oh, nice. content production, right? So it's literally, I just did my own. I'm here with you. I have my own, I'm interviewing somebody at the top of the hour and I'm interviewing another pe- person after that four hours, bow, four hours of interviews done. And that's it for me for the month. Uh, I'll actually do one in two weeks cause I want to get ahead, but like rather than me having to interview somebody every week and like just always be inviting and interviewing and researching and post-producing, I heavily utilize batching in my podcast production process. That's really and what smart. I've, it, it, and it's, it's worked for me well. Um, and so like for me, it's basically one day a week and you know, one week I do tons of interviews the next week I'll do more of the admin work and like, you know, strategy and stuff. The next week I might send a bunch of pitches for me to be featured on other podcasts. And it's just a matter of kind of keeping that rhythm, minimizing the, just making it more efficient. Um, and then just making sure that I stay consistent and hit, you know, hit my marks every week. I'm guessing you don't do pre-interviews. I don't. I actually don't agree with pre-interviews because like first, like for me, I don't like them on either side of the coin. So like, I don't like it when I'm requested to do one because almost every time it just starts becoming the interview, you know, like they just ask me questions and I'm like, this is what you're going to ask me on the interview. (laughs) You know. So what I do is I I find they end up turning into something totally different in the next interview. It's true, but it's just, it's just not, I just don't think they're necessary at all. And I don't think that they're time efficient. Um, yeah. I think they, they like, it's cool that it makes the host feel more comfortable, but it, you know, it's just, I, I just think they're a waste of time for everybody involved because if, if you're there to try and see if the person like is good on camera or is a good question asker, you can just go and see if they've been on other podcasts for that. And then like you can also via email or just completely asynchronously, you can communicate ahead of time about what you want to talk about. So that's why. And, and again, like for a host, I really, I think there's other things you can be doing that are way higher leverage with your time for your podcast and a pre-interview. That's okay. And I, at the very least, if it's a 10 minute pre-interview, just have the first 10 minutes before you hit record. Right. Be the pre-interview. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot easier than like getting together for like an hour before that. And yeah. Um, which I do, and I'm definitely not very, uh, efficient, um, with lots of things. I'm just going to go rapid fire. A few questions I like to ask a lot of people. Um, go for it. What's something, uh, recently where you've really tried to get out of your comfort zone? Hmm. Well, I mean, (laughs) The management of the last year was very uncomfortable. <laughs> that was something mm-hmm. like managing folks that I didn't have, I did not have experience with. And, you know, I kind of just spoke on that a little bit, but that was something where I was like, wow, this is, it was, it, you could have predicted at a fast growth company that that would be a part of my journey, but it truly took me off guard because I came from being a solo, you know, solopreneur content coach type person. And what really threw me off was how leadership is very much a skill to be developed and management. Uh, really, uh, they're two separate skills to be developed. Because you seem so, so confident to me. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I seem it, but I didn't feel it. I I learned a lot over the past year when it comes to leadership and management. But that's something that certainly certainly went outside my comfort zone. Um, uh, yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. That's um, good. I'm, I'm always doing like different fitness things and, you know, trying to try new stuff. I think the next one will be a cold plunge, but yeah, like 
that's that's the first thing that came you, up. You know who Ari Emanuel is? So you I know, don't, did you I ever know. watch um, Entourage? Uh, no, but people tell me that I would love it. <laughs> so, I don't know much about it. Okay, so like, there's this agent on Entourage who's like this cocky, like super. Uh, you know, he's he makes millions and he's like the greatest agent ever. And um, he's he's Rahm Emanuel's brother. You know, okay. Rahm and and I heard him interviewed by uh, Stephen Dubner on Freakonomics. Um, last week. And he said, uh, one of the things, one of the things he advises or that he says is the best thing he is, is, um, he's very comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, so I've been trying to think about that a lot. Um, one of the things I, I talk a lot about is serendipity. Can you think of something in your life where you really felt like this was a serendipitous thing or it could be just something really recent and yeah if you I don't mean, if you can't think of anything we'll just edit it out it's fine the big no there was i mean the biggest one i was just i just literally just recounted the story earlier today to somebody um in person which was back in it was literally around the time i was considering being an entrepreneur so i said i launched my podcast in 2018 late summer 2017 i was like i really really don't think corporate life is for me i didn't know then that podcasting was going to be the thing by any means. But I knew that I wanted to be and like I was really interested in entrepreneurship. And it was through I discovered podcasting like as a listener in 2017. Uh, there were two shows that I listened to th in that year. It was Startup, which was the show that like launched Gimlet Media. And then mm -hmm. someone recommended to me the Tim Ferriss show. They're like, oh, I feel okay. like you probably like this. Started listening to Tim Ferriss. And through that, like I had to listen to a couple of great interviews, decided to pick up his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, and read that over the course of a weekend. Um, and you know, it was just like, this is crazy. This is all. And what that did was it validated for me the feelings of wanting to be an entrepreneur because I always felt guilty about the fact that I didn't want this, this job that I had, like this career that I had. And, you know, I was, I'm the first, I was the first person in my family to go to college. Um, mm. and you know, growing up, my parents, you know, dad was a crane operator. Mom was a teacher were very much like, go get a degree, get a stable job, because both of them throughout my whole childhood were in and out of work for different reasons. So, you know, it was just like, study hard, get a degree, get a job. And, and I won that game, got a great job out of school, making six figures by the time I was 24 and didn't like it at all and felt tremendous guilt behind that. And so it was when mm. I read Four Hour Workweek that I that 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 was released. And I was like, oh, it's OK. Like, I just it was validated a good time those in feelings. your life to read it, too. 100%. Oh, yeah. 24. You kidding me? I was single. It was great. So the serendipity comes in the weekend after I, uh, I read that book, I went to Nashville, Tennessee, just to visit some buddies. It was just a drinking weekend, visited a friend. And I met a friend of a friend there. And we were there to see the solar eclipse. You know, we went out to bars, had a bunch of beers. It was a super fun weekend. Uh, and the fellow that I met there had just finished law school. And you know, we followed each other on Instagram. And, and that was that. Well, Fast forward a year and a half, I had read the four hour work week, took the plunge into entrepreneurship and it did not go well. And meanwhile, this other fella I saw on Instagram go from just somebody who had, you know, 300 followers and just like had, you know, just was pre-law. And uh, he had grown to like 100,000 followers on Instagram. He started a business. He had a business coaching program like he was already at seven figures in revenue. And uh, 
and I eventually, after a year and a half of just really struggling, I, I texted him and I was like, Hey man, like you clearly know something that I don't. And so he, he mentored me and he was one of the oh, people wow. that I spoke to during that time. And he showed me like how to create an online business. He to taught me the basics of marketing and sales. Um, and that a lot of that stuff that he taught me, I was able to apply to Philly who, and, and I, to this day, teach to the entrepreneurs that I serve. So the serendipity is that neither of us had businesses then. He was on the path to law, you know, a law degree. I was a software developer. We just happened to come together that one weekend in Nashville, friend of a friend. Of a friend. And, uh, and now we're good friends. I, we both have moved to Miami. He lives down the street. We see him all the time. So that's by far the most serendipitous thing that's ever happened in my entire life. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Just one, a couple, just a couple other things. What, what's something that you've learned recently or something that you're, you're researching or something that's affected you? Maybe you read about it and affected you emotionally. Yeah. Let me think a minute. You know, what's funny. I, I go back to the, the theme of discomfort because, <laughs> but for the opposite reason, uh, since I discovered the Tim Ferriss show in 2017. Do you still listen to Tim I, Ferriss? I do. I still, I still do all the time. I go in and out like podcast listeners go in and out of listening to They're shows. They're so long. You got to listen to them high speed. You don't have to listen to the whole thing though. What I usually That's do true. is I'll, I don't listen to all of them. I just listen to ones that pique my interest. And I always in the show notes, he has the like time for long shows like that. You got to have the timestamps of like what they talk about. So I just, I just skim the timestamps and just skip ahead to the things that I'm actually interested in. Smart. Um, yeah, it's very, I just kind of graze and snack on it. But, uh, you know, when you're, when you're in the online entrepreneurship world, like the people that you're around, like it, this, that social circle worships discomfort. And what I'm, the space that I'm kind of going through now is like after six years of just being all about getting out of my comfort zone, I, what I'm kind of exploring right now is, is okay, where is the balance? <laughs> like there, I, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs who make themselves uncomfortable and it's beyond now, like for the purpose of learning, it's just for the sake of being uncomfortable. I'm like, you're not like, there's no benefit, like there's no marginal utility to what you're doing. Torturing and yourself, so, yeah. yeah. And like, that's where I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I don't have to be uncomfortable and miserable every waking moment. There's probably a balance here. So that's kind of like, I wouldn't necessarily say researching, but that's the kind of area of life. And like I said, I've downsized the company a little bit just to slow down and, um, that's the area of life that I'm kind of exploring. Cause I'm like, okay, I have all out sprinted a marathon for the past three years, like literally sprint the whole time. It's not sustainable. And I would like to be doing this for a long time. And I'm really not in, like, I'm not interested in being the type of entrepreneur that just grow, 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 sell. So I'm like, okay, okay let's, let's slow down and, and kind of find that medium where I'm challenged and there is some discomfort. It's like right on the edge of discomfort. It's not full on, just like miserable all the time. That's the, that's the space that I'm exploring today. Very interesting. What are, uh, what are the, the five podcasts you're listening to the most right now? Tim Ferriss. Um, I listen a lot to Alex Harmozy. He's an online yeah, entrepreneur. I, I listen um, to him a lot. He, yeah. He makes, uh, he make, he, you listen to him and he, he makes you feel uncomfortable. You can only listen yes, to him so many times. So, so often he's a hundred percent. And he's another one that like, he worships just like that dude is loves pain. <sighs> and, and like, I know like what's funny is that his arc has been, I actually, I discovered him in, in 2020. I was uh, introduced to his work by that, 
gentleman I was just talking about earlier, mm. way before he his audience blew up. And I consumed a lot of his stuff. And I remember being like, this guy's the best kept secret in entrepreneurship. Yeah. And then he kind of had a concerted effort to grow his audience. And now everybody knows about him. So I'm totally a harmosy hipster. But what a part of <laughs> what I just mentioned is that this year I'm actually consuming his work a little bit less because it's very like, oh, good out there. Just like, it doesn't matter what you want. What matters is what the business needs. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. There is an extent to which <laughs> to take that. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. He makes the most amazing social media posts on LinkedIn. Yeah, I don't know how he pulls them out. They're just oh, he's just got a team. He pays oh, he pays sure. uh, he he pays forty grand a month for his content team. So like that's something <laughs> that I have to tell content creators all the time. Just be like understand that like that's f not forty grand a year, forty grand a month for a content team. Oh so, come like, on, we... it's coming right out of his mouth. He's, he's... <laughs> it is not. It is heavily massaged. Like it is. I'm telling you. But uh, Tim Ferriss, Alex Harmozzi. What's funny is that I don't have as many shows on repeat. Like I listen to a lot of different shows all the time. So like mm -hmm. I'll like I'll like get into a guest, like I'll read a book and like then search like interviews that the author has done. Cool. And what's cool is that that introduces me to a bunch of shows. So like I'm trying to think off the top of my head if there's any Pat Flynn for sure. I listen to Pat Flynn all the time. Mm -hmm. Amy Porterfield. Um, there are like. I've got about four, almost 400 Grow the Show clients. So I'm um, like all the time, like kind of peeking in, like sampling an episode. Um, a lot of times the the creator doesn't hear from me have because you they're listen, doing well. Have you listened to Swarfcast? I have not recently, but I certainly have. Because you've been <laughs> in the program for a while. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I just like, you know, kind of poke around. Can I listen to the, the, the 10 minute one that I put out the other day? Perfect. Yeah, you sent me that. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll actually write that down and queue that up. It's not a big time commitment. That's a good thing about the ten minute episodes is that they're way. Oh like, yeah, the Tim, the Tim Ferriss four hour ones, right? Oh, yeah, four hour podcast. That's what he should call his next book. <laughs> That's brilliant. I like That's long form, right? That's what he says. Yeah. Um, that's this is fantastic. I really appreciate it. Any any like just quick advice for people who are podcasting right now? podcasters out there yeah so the the advice would be i mean i have lots of advice for podcasters <laughs> but, that's what you do right yeah so, yeah, so give me give me give me one one sentence of advice uh you can always improve your craft you can always improve your craft the i i make a living explaining the tactics of growth to people but what's and like once you 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 know like it doesn't take long to know how those work it takes a month to understand how targeted podcast pitching works. It takes a month to really understand how social media works. The craft of the show is something that is worth constantly honing forever because that is literally, it's like saying to business owners, you should work on your product, right? You should make your product better. Uh, a lot of podcasters don't put any, like they, they optimize their show production to make it as easy and as fast for them to create the show as they possibly can. Yeah. And we just talked about how you can be more efficient with it, but you got to understand what the cost is for it to be more efficient to you. Uh, it, it makes it less good for the listeners. And the fact of the matter is you are competing with Netflix. You are competing with Tim Ferriss. You are competing with Joe Rogan. One of the ways that you can mitigate that is to have a truly unique show. You have a really re unique show here, which is good. But at the same time, like your listeners that are listening to my voice right now chose to listen to this over the other five to eight podcasts that they listen to on a regular basis. And those are massive shows that have $40,000 per month budgets. Yeah. So... That's not to make you better be you better be good. 
you got to be good, right? And like, there's a lot of times where people are like, I'm doing all the pitches. You're, it doesn't work. I'm like, I, it's hard to say this, but like, we got to make your show better. Like people, your show is not good. <laughs> like we need to make your show better, which is doable. It is a skill that can be learned like anything else. Thank you so much, Kevin. If anybody wants to, uh, to find Kevin, um, grow the show, fantastic podcast. Um, you are on LinkedIn. You are on all the socials. Yes. If you have yes. any other announcements you want to make, here's your chance. No, not at all. I mean, you can just, uh, if you're a podcaster and you want to learn more about how to grow and monetize, just listen to my show. It's called Grow the Show. Um, if you search the whatever app you're using right now to listen to your podcast, to listen to me, if you just search Grow the Show Kevin, uh, my show will come up and you can give it a try. Awesome. Thank you. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. Hold up. 